It's so good to be together worshiping the Lord today. Special welcome to those of you who are joining us online. My name is Dan Culbertson. For those of you who don't know me, I am the director of weekend engagement here at the church. And I'm just excited to be able to take a little bit of a pause from those responsibilities to be able to speak with you here today. When I was a kid, one of the jobs that I was given for my parents was to mow the grass. Once I was old enough, they handed this thing off, and we had a fairly good-sized yard, and I had to push-mow the whole thing, and I learned pretty early on I hated mowing the grass. I did not want to be doing that. In fact, my parents never really did the allowance thing. Uh, We tried chore charts for a while, but they always fell through. And my dad's philosophy was a little more straightforward anyway. You live here, so you do chores. That's just how this works. That's the way that my family was. And without that extra incentive of money that I saw my friends getting, I tried to find every opportunity I could to get out of mowing the grass. I learned pretty early that if you flood the motor, you at least get a 30-minute break while that thing drains back out. I learned how to disconnect the fuel line or disconnect the battery line, whatever I could do to sabotage my ability to mow. For some reason, I didn't figure out the simple fact that, you know, my dad is an electronic um, technician and a mechanic, so he knew exactly what was wrong the moment he came home, and I got grounded for whatever the purpose was at that time. I had different flavors of disciplinary action that occurred because of my attempt to not mow the grass. See, my dad really only wanted me to pick up on the slack around the house. He wanted me to help out because I was his son. And it would help the whole family out because it's one less thing that needed to be done by either my dad or my siblings or my mom. And so that was all they were asking, this one thing. But too often, I let my own desire to usually watch TV or just not be mowing the grass to be the thing that dictated what I did in those moments. I would let that selfish thought take front seat in my actions. See, it wasn't really about mowing the grass that was the tension and the problem here. My dad was just asking this small thing from me. But it was the fact that I was instead chasing the selfish things in my life, and then I ended up creating a lot more problems for myself. And I also introduced some tension into my relationship with my family and my dad because we're constantly at odds over this mowing the grass thing. You know, some way, in some ways, I was ignoring my identity as a son when I chose to chase my own selfish things instead of chase the things that my dad was asking for me. We're working on this second series in our set of series that we're calling Build the Skyline. And the second series that we are working through is called Blueprints. And it's all about understanding the plans that God has for our lives. If you've heard me speak before, I know I've used this illustration a million times and I'll probably use it a million times more. But I like to talk about this concept of design specs, this concept of following, which we're using in this language here, the blueprints. See, oftentimes, Christians and more times people outside of Christianity look at the Christian life and they see it as this list of rules, the list of things that you can't do, the things that you have to follow in order to be a Christian. Well, I think more importantly, what's really happening is We are given our design specs, the way we are supposed to function, the way we are meant to live our best life. It's not about a list of rules. It's about how we are designed to live and function. It's the blueprints that we're meant to follow. The flow of our world and the viewpoints of our culture oftentimes lead us to this place where instead of following the design specs that we are created by, we place our identity in things outside of those blueprints, 
outside of those design specs. This is why when you look at the world around us and you see all the tensions and the frustrations that we deal with, it's over things like our sexuality or our political leanings or our productiveness as workers or our financial status or even our geographic location. We allow these things to be the thing that is front and center in defining our identity instead of what we are designed to be. This is why the conversation about these things is always so front and center in our society, because we've moved away from our original blueprints. We've moved away from the original plans, and we've allowed these small parts of who we are to become the defining traits of who we are instead of the way in which we are designed to live. If instead, though, we allow a relationship with Jesus to be first and foremost in our lives, then he can allow the design specs that we are created to live by to crystallize and allow our identity to grow more to be what we are designed to be, people that are made in the image of God. And this helps us live a life that's full of joy, that's full of peace, that's full of fulfillment, all to the glory of God the Father. Today we're talking about a pretty important aspect of our identity as humans, our identity as created image bearers of God. We're going to be looking at this phrase here in a little bit that comes from 1 Peter 2.9 that says, when we have a relationship with Jesus, we are a royal priesthood. Before we get into understanding some of the nuances of this phrase, I want to lay out the main point that we're going to be working off of from here today. And that way we can begin to understand this idea of our blueprints, our design specs, our true identities, as we unpack this small reality of our identity. Jesus gives us direct access to God. A relationship with Jesus gives us direct access to God. We're going to be spending most of our time here today looking at the priesthood aspect of this phrase, a royal priesthood. Because I think we understand royalty a little bit. I think royalty is a concept that's pretty easy for us to understand. Royalty has this inference of inheritance, right? If you are royalty, you are given some inheritance in the kingdom, some ownership in the kingdom. In some ways, actually, the phrase royal priesthood feels like a bit of an oxymoron. Because you've got this picture of inheritance and ownership. And then with priesthood, you have this picture of service and making yourself lower than others. It's a little hard to wrap our heads around. And because of this, sometimes we find ourselves in tension. And the tension tends to go one of two ways. One, we hit this feeling that we don't deserve the royalty that's being offered to us through a relationship with Jesus. And so we look at what God's offering and we see our place as sons and daughters in his kingdom and we say, I don't deserve this. Do you know how bad I really am? Do you know how much I have messed up? And we get to this place where this tension rises up because we think that we're not worthy of the royalty that's being offered through that relationship. The other tension, though, that comes up is the opposite end of that spectrum, where we accept that inheritance, we understand what has been offered to us, but then we keep it to ourselves. We never allow the inheritance into the kingdom to move beyond ourselves. We never live out the priesthood duties that we have been given as followers of Jesus, this part of our identity, this way in which we were designed to live. 
We miss out on those things. We never help other people understand who Jesus is and help them become full-fledged disciples. The access that we have been given to God the Father because of a relationship with him should drive us to not only recognize that because of his sacrifice, we are given inheritance in the kingdom, but it also should give us the responsibility of putting other people before ourselves and helping them understand who Jesus is and how to also have that same inheritance. Like I mentioned earlier today, we're continuing this conversation that Pastor Lawrence started last week in 1 Peter 2.9. So let's read the rest of this passage from 1 Peter 2.9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The design from the blueprint of our identities that we are zeroing in here, once again, is this concept of royal priesthood. When I say priests, because like I said earlier, I think we can understand royalty a little bit. What's the first thing that pop in your mind, especially when we say you're supposed to be a priest? Are you thinking, do you mean I got to go out and buy a bunch of black clothes and white collar, live a very different life than what I'm used to living now? Or maybe you go the other end of the spectrum and you start to think of the pictures you've seen of priests in some of the shows that we've watched on TV, like The Chosen or in maybe The Passion of the Christ. The priests in those contexts are challenging for us to want to relate to, right? Because they tend to be the people that are in opposition to Jesus. So how do we come to this place where we can understand that? Because we'll scratch our heads and wonder, is that who I'm supposed to be? I think in order to understand what this phrase royal priesthood means, we need to back up into what priests were in God's kingdom in the original design through the people of Israel. From the time of Moses onward, priests had very specific roles when it came to the kingdom of God. And they always came from a specific ancestry, a specific family within the people of God, the tribe of Levi. They were Levites. And their primary role in the family of God was to be this intermediary between the people of Israel and God. In today's world, we would use the word mediator. You see this in legal arenas. You'll see this in financial arenas. Uh, Mediators are people whose job is to come between two parties and to find resolution, to find a connecting point, to allow them to be engaged. Parents in the room, whether you like it or not, you have probably become a mediator in the life of your family because your kids will get into an argument. They'll get into a fight. They'll go through whatever. And our job is to come between them and help them find resolution either good resolution for both or equally terrible resolution, depending on how bad our kids are being in those moments. But that's our job. We're mediators. We come between. In the context of the Old Testament priest, their job was to come between us, the people, and God. So the people of Israel and God. That's what a priest was supposed to do. And they did that by making sacrifices, by praying for people, and making offerings on behalf of the people of Israel. Even the place of worship, the temple, and the tabernacle before that was designed in a way to highlight this mediation process. The temple had different sections, and you had sections where the average person who came to worship was able to enter, but then there was a curtain that separated that place from where the priests would then enter in order to provide worship, to provide atonement, to make these sacrifices on behalf of the people. 
To take that a step further, the place that was curtained off was known as the Holy of Holies. It was this place where God's presence was said to rest upon the earth, and this curtain separated that from the general people. And in fact, only the high priest could enter this place, and only once a year on the Day of Atonement, in order to make sacrifices for the sake of all of Israel. This was the separation between God and man that was being recognized, even in the way the temple was built. The way in which you could have a connection to God had to be through the priest. Priests were also teachers of the law. They had a responsibility in helping us understand God's word, helping people understand God's word. Priests were also involved in a role of helping maintain physical health of the community and work through those things. We're not going to dive too deeply into that reality. It's just truth of what the priests were a part of. All of these things that they did also came with a different lifestyle. They had a stricter way of living than the rest of the people of Israel. One of the amazing things that occurs because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, because of his death on the cross to take on the sin of the world, this incredible reality shift occurs. All of a sudden, the way in which we interact with God is able to be changed. The way is paved now so that we can have direct connection to good God instead of having to go through another human mediator. All because a relationship with Jesus now allows us to have that connection to God the Father. When we choose to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sin, it allows us to have life and relationship with God the Father that no longer needs a mediator. This is all symbolized when Jesus dies on the cross. When he dies on the cross, Matthew 27, 51 says, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. When Jesus dies on the cross, the curtain that separated people from the Holy of Holies, that separated people from the presence of God here on earth, is torn in two, symbolizing that we now no longer have this separation when we choose to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We now have this ability to connect to God. This is why the author of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Jesus' death on the cross allows us to have a direct access to God the Father. When we pray prayers, now God hears our prayers. It doesn't have to go through a priest. It doesn't have to go through somebody else. Think of the implications this has towards a relationship. Have you ever had to communicate with somebody through somebody else? You know how challenging it is to feel like you have a connection with someone when you have to talk to someone else who then talks to them? I think some of us probably felt this in a smaller way with all the video chatting we've had to do, right? It is so hard to have that human connection with someone when it's through a video screen. You have this separation, this mediator. It's kind of like that trope that you see in pretty much every sitcom that's ever been written where you've got two characters in the show that end up being mad at each other and the only way that they'll talk to each other is through a mutual friend. 
right? And it always ends in this situation where they're all in the same room at the same place, but they refuse to talk to each other in person. They can hear each other clearly, but then you've got the person in the middle who has to be talked to so that the other person, so they're always like, tell so-and-so that they're being dumb about this. Whoa, tell so-and-so this. And it becomes this hilarious moment that we get to watch and laugh about. But in reality, what they're doing is they're trying to ignore and act like the other person doesn't exist, that they aren't there in their presence. When our only interaction with God happens through someone else, it's easy to get to that place where we no longer recognize his presence in our lives. It's easy to get to that place where we can begin to imagine that he doesn't even exist because we're no longer in that direct connection with him. I think one of the traps that we can fall into if we're not careful in recognizing this access that we've been given is that we can try and live our spiritual lives through this intermediary. Oftentimes we'll do it by looking at somebody like a pastor who's on stage and live our spiritual lives vicariously through them. I know for me, I've done that in the past. I've gotten to this place where you'll, I'll recognize a speaker that is speaking on YouTube even, who speaks at some big church and I can vicariously live out my spiritual life through them instead of through a direct access with God himself. Pastor Lawrence is a fantastic guy. He's an amazing, godly man, but he cannot live your spiritual life for you. We have to learn to have a regular time in God's presence on our own to live out our spiritual walk because we have been given direct access, direct unfettered relationship with the creator of the universe. Let's not squander it by falling into this old system of having to go through somebody else. We've been given this ultimate privilege of being able to spend time with God, spend time in his presence, spend time in his word, spend time praying and reflecting on what the Holy Spirit is speaking into our lives so that we can be transformed, so that we can understand how it is God has designed us to live. Once we get to that place, one of the most important things that he wants us to do is share that access with other people. We cannot keep it to ourselves. When we recognize we have this direct access to God the Father, we have to be willing to share that access with others. Take a look at what the next few verses in Hebrews 10 says. In verse 24, it says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The first part of this passage, this stir up one another to love and good works is all about us helping each other recognize the access that we have to God and use that access to love the world around us, to do good works, to serve the people around us so that they can see Jesus through us. This ties directly back to that main passage in 1 Peter 2.9. He gives these descriptors. He says, you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a people of God, uh, for his own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. We are called as a royal priesthood to share the access we have with God with other people that do not know Jesus. 
The role of a priest was to be a mediator between God and man. And as a royal priesthood, we have a role to stand in the gap between people who do not know Jesus and God, to help them experience Jesus and then have that same access, to gain that same inheritance. Stir one another onto love and good works is all about serving other people so that they can be introduced to Jesus. Whenever we serve people, when we show them love, especially in unexpected circumstances, it can allow them to see Jesus maybe for the first time. Part of this process then of learning how to love the people around us through serving the body of Christ is gathering together and supporting each other. Don't neglect meeting together. We are not meant to do this thing on our own. We have direct access with God. And a relationship with God is meant to be personal. But it's never meant to be done by ourselves. It's meant to be lived out in community. And when we live this out in community, we can come together. We can corporately worship him. We can corporately grow with each other. We can corporately celebrate this access that we have to God the Father. And in turn then, be recharged to be able to live this out in the world around us and help other people see Jesus in everything that we do. You know, right now, there's this really challenging push happening in in our culture. When it comes to understanding faith, people who have grown up in the church are going through a process that's called deconstruction. And deconstruction is, is happening, it seems like it's mostly in younger generations, it's not exclusive to this, but what's happening is, is people who have grown up in the church are beginning to look at their faith and look at the things that they've been grown up in, and they're starting to pick those things apart. It'd be unfair to call this a movement because the reality of deconstruction is that it's not universal in experience for everybody. In fact, the reasoning behind it all is not universal for everybody. You have a person on this side who's looking at Jesus, who they have an honest and earnest relationship with, and they're looking at the church over here, and they're saying, something doesn't add up, so I choose Jesus, and they walk away. Then you have others on this side of the equation who are doubting and they're being bombarded with all of the things of the culture and they're being told all of these things about what the church really is and they choose to walk away even from Jesus completely. So deconstruction follows this entire spectrum of people and it's an individualistic thing, but regardless of the reasoning behind why people are processing this and walking through this journey is I think that there's a tension here that's a lack of a conversation on the bigger picture and a lot of ways is a lack of us living out our role as royal priests on both sides of the equation. See, too often these situations occur because we are not actually seeking to share the access with God with one another that we now have and we don't have deeper conversations on tensions and issues that become major disagreement points for people. And it leads people to walking away from the church without having these deeper conversations in a universal sense. Now, I think the reason why it's so important for us to not forsake meeting together is so that we can continue to challenge each other and learn from each other and grow. And not just in a haphazard way, but grow in a way that points us back to the truths of God's word. 
that helps people who are struggling with doubt and struggling with disagreement and struggling with tension begin to see that there are ways for us to move forward together, resolving these tensions, working together, learning from each other so that we can reach more people for the kingdom of God, so that we can reach others to help them understand who he is and do it arm in arm. We don't have to agree on everything. But we are called to meet together. We are called to work together. And I think sometimes because of our stubbornness and our lack of humility, and definitely because we're not taking seriously our role as royal priests, we just kind of shrug our shoulders and go, eh, it's a problem. Instead, we can learn to have honest and open conversation. We can learn to being open to listening to points of view, but always remembering to turn back to the word of God and what he has shown us to be, how he has shown us to live. We are told to be together and meeting, and that sometimes looks messy. But in the end, when we allow our access to God, the access we have through relationship with Jesus to be the reason why we are together, it can make a greater impact for the kingdom, especially when we have differences of opinion. So most of what we have talked about is rather conceptual, right? There's a lot of heady, ethereal kind of concepts. But how do we live this out in our day-to-day lives? How do we take this information and how do we apply it? Okay, I understand to a degree what a royal priest is supposed to look like. How does this look in my day-to-day life? What does this look like for me? Well, first off, our access to God should change the way we live our lives. Our access to God should change the way that we live our lives. When we spend time in God's presence, it should reveal the areas of our lives that he desires for us to be transformed. The priests of the Old Testament lived by a stricter code than their fellow Israelites. And the truth is that if we live out the design specs, the blueprints that God has for us, we should look differently than the world around us. We should not look the same. Spending time in God's presence through spending time in prayer and spending time in his word is so key for us to being able to understand the way in which he has called us to live. You need to be spending time in your Bible. If you do not have a Bible, please, please, please come stop at the hub out here because we have one for you. We would love for you to be able to spend time in his word and understand who he is. Because if the truth of your life is only formed by the things that you see on social media or seen by all the agenda-driven opinions of the people in your world, you will never truly be able to understand what it means to live by the blueprints God's created you by. You'll never understand what it means to find your real identity and who he has created you to be. The word of God speaks truth into our lives and shows us the way in which we are designed to live. Our access to God also means that we should be sharing that access with the people around us. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you are called to be a priest no matter where you find yourself. I think too often as Christians, we leave ministry up to the professionals. And we miss out on incredible opportunities that God has placed in front of us. Too often we think, oh, that's the job of the pastor. 
or that's the job of the people we pay for ministry, and then we miss out on reaching Jesus in the places where we spend each and every day. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Every one of us is called to the priesthood. Every single one of us can share Jesus exactly where we are by living what Jesus has called us to and then sharing him with the people around us. You may be a doctor. You may be a construction worker. You could be a factory worker or you work in a warehouse. You could be a teacher. You could be a salesperson. You could be a parent. No matter what it is you find yourself doing each and every day, you are still called to be a royal priest to share the name of Jesus, and to help stand in the gap for people who don't know him. It can be easy for us to miss the identity God has called us to because we think it's a job for someone else. I haven't talked openly in a public setting about uh, my emotional experience and temptations and things that have come from us having to close the United Service. It's funny because as I've been processing this and working through this for this, I recognize that the entire time that we've been working this process, that there's been a temptation in my life that ties directly to this conversation. See, it would have been easy for me whenever my role changed from being campus pastor to being a director in a ministry area to put the pastor hat aside and say, you know what, That's, that's someone else's job now. I don't need to do that. Luckily, by the grace of God, he has encouraged me and walked me through this process in such a way that as we have made these transitions and as we have walked through this whole thing, I've been able to see how I can be a pastor no matter what it is I'm paid to do. I can serve people and help people see Jesus and help them grow to reach other people for Jesus no matter what my position or my role is because that's not my identity. My identity isn't the job I do. My identity is the relationship I have with Jesus and how I then in turn share that relationship with the people around me. That is what we are called to as royal priests. You know, a friend of mine who I'm going to leave unnamed because he doesn't like attention and he wouldn't want me to call him out on this, said in a devotional a few weeks ago was something that has stuck with me pretty hard. I'm paraphrasing a little bit on what he said, but he basically said this. He said, God is going to get the glory that he is due one way or another, whether you were involved or not. If we do not live out our identity of being royal priests, we can miss out on the blessing of being a part of bringing God glory when other people are introduced to a relationship with Jesus. God is getting that glory, regardless of whether we're involved or not. But we have this amazing opportunity to be a part of that journey, to be a part of that process. Wouldn't you rather, instead of missing out of being a part of that, be able to celebrate in that in more than just the golf clap that we give when we find out that somebody made that choice? If we live out our role as being a royal priest, we can through the transformation he's moving in our lives, through this access we have to him, help other people experience him, and then be a part of bringing God the glory that he's due instead of just a bystander. Jesus gives us direct access to God, and with that access, our lives can be transformed, and we can help the people around us experience life and saving grace and love in the relationships that Jesus has for them, all by sharing it with them. The challenge that I want to leave you all with here as the worship team comes up is actually twofold. 
Firstly, I want to challenge you. Make a priority of spending time in God's presence this week. I know for me that means probably pulling out my phone and putting something on my calendar. Because I have so much going on, it'd be easy for me to just fill that space with something else. Spend time with God in his presence this week. Don't squander this amazing opportunity we've been given. Spend time in his word. Spend time praying. Once again, if you do not have a Bible, please stop by the hub because we have one for you. We would love for you to be able to have the tools you need to be able to continue to understand God's presence and to continue to understand what he has for your life. The second part of this challenge is no matter what you do for a day job this week, I want you to think of somebody and think of some way that you can help show them Jesus. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's just being encouraging in the midst of discouraging situations. Maybe it's living out your life in a way that makes people question, how are they able to go through so many terrible things and still have joy? Maybe it's something a little more challenging and actually having a direct conversation about who Jesus is. Whatever it may be, the challenge is this. Think of a person in your weekly existence. It might be a coworker, it might be a family member, it might be a friend. Talk to them about Jesus. Help them understand who he is. Live out your identity as a royal priest. And lastly, if you are brand new to all of this, this might be the first time you walked in the building and you're just wondering what all of this is about. I want to I want you to invite I want to invite you to join us on this journey. Our mission here at Grand Point is to help as many people as possible take their next steps in the journey to find and follow Jesus. And that journey begins with a first step, a step of being able to understand who Jesus is and to choose to follow him with everything that you are. When we recognize that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the son of God, and that he died on the cross to take on the sin and the punishment that we deserve, and then turns and offers us forgiveness through his resurrection, through his life, we can find life. We can find hope. We can find peace. And we can find the only means to find a really, truly fulfilling existence on this world. It helps us make sense of all of this craziness that happens around us day in and day out. If you have questions about what that means, about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to make that commitment, to make that dive, I would love to have that conversation with you. I'll be floating around up here or in the lobby. Chase me down, pull me aside. I would love to talk to you about that. If not me, because I'm big and scary and sometimes that's intimidating, feel free to step out here to the left of the sanctuary. We have our prayer room. There'll be folks in there that would love to talk to you about this. If you're online, reach out to those folks that are moderating your chat. Make sure that you connect and reach out because we would love to have this conversation. We'd love to help you walk out this journey so we can walk it out together. Jesus has given us access to God the Father. Let's not miss out. Let's not miss out on bringing him glory. Let's instead share his name 
with the world around us. Share the access that we have been given through Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you so much for the wonderful privilege you have given us of being these inheritors in your kingdom who have also been given this access in relationship to you that can help other people experience life-saving grace. Father God, we just thank you so much that in a universe that is so vast, in a world that is so crazy, you were willing to slow down the clock and spend time with us. Lord, we just pray that you drive our hearts closer to yours. Help us to learn to see the people around us who are in desperate need of you, God. And help us to worship you through all that we do. Father God, we love you so much. In your name we pray.